you know him? Does he call you at home? <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show. Too many awesome, interesting, valuable businesses end up fizzling out. And we're here to discuss what makes the difference between those that, that fizzle out and those who seem to buzz and crackle and, uh, and just <coughs> fizzle with uh, energy and, and enthusiasm, with joy, with direction, with just creativity. Like what makes the difference between those two founders? Your hosts are Corbett Barr. If uh, if this was the movie Moneyball, he would for sure be Brad Pitt. Uh, Caleb Wojcik, he'd be the A's. And me, Chase Reeves. I'd be uh, that husky comedian guy who lost a lot of weight and now looks kind of weird. But good for him. In this episode, in this episode, we've got a good one for you here, people. I, uh, I had a talk recently with a, a founder who she had worked hard to build a really, you know, big site, lots of traffic, big numbers of visitors and stuff. And she sort of, you know, had the dream that most of us had. You know, you build this thing. If you build it, they will come. A bunch of them came. But she equated traffic numbers with success. And when she tried to sell them a thing, guess what? They weren't engaged. They didn't really care. Those numbers can uh, can be a bit of a... They can lie. They can lie. How do you know the difference between what numbers matter and, and what numbers don't? How can you tell the difference between the wrong things to focus on and the right ones? And how can you bring intentionality to your business instead of just reacting to some number that... Google Analytics throws at you or something. Uh, this is a good conversation. That's the kind of stuff that we're getting into. Lots of solid stuff here. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. Okay, guys. So we're going to be talking. We're, we're going to talk today about metrics. All right. And the way I understand this is the metrics that we should be tracking versus the metrics that we really shouldn't care much about. Yeah, and so what is a metric, right? A metric is simply besides a, a Canadian besi- uh, band. <laughs> besides a Canadian measurement that is 3 point something feet. Oh, long. oh yeah, see that's global actually. Yeah. See, you took it global. <laughs> I was meter. just thinking of what's that hammer song? You've heard the song and yeah. has a hammer in it. Yeah. Beating like you know a hammer. One. Yeah. So, so what we're asking is, how much of them do you need to listen to when you're doing <laughs> when, an when online you're business? business. What, yeah, exactly. is that what you mean? Each yeah. month, yeah. 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 So a metric is just something that you measure in your business, right? Sure. So what should you be tracking, and what do you probably, what are you probably tracking that you really don't need to be? Mm-hmm. And and it, and in, in more so than that, like those things you shouldn't be tracking when you do look at them and you feel like there's a victory here, there, or the other way. In a month or a year, but it's a hollow. Victory. You end up. You end up thinking you were doing great, but because you're looking at a hollow metric, yeah, it you actually so let's fizzle let, out or something like so that. So let's start with um, why is this important? Why is this conversation important? Why does it measure what? Why does it matter what you measure? Ooh, it's a good question. Can I start? Sure. Yep. Go ahead. No, no, Caleb. Actually, you know, you're about to jump in. Let's hear it. I was going to say what gets measured gets done. Oh, what is that? Is that a, a part of your? Uh... It's a logicism. <laughs> No, it's actually like a basic manufacturing yeah. thing. I can't remember the guy who... It's like Edward Demi or something like that. Deming, yeah. Deming. What gets measured gets gets done. 
Correct. Or, or, or you know, or, or is that? I feel like there's a more eloquent way of putting that. What gets measured gets perfected, or something like that. But I, I, for me, I don't measure a whole lot. Yep. But uh, what I do, the, the you know, you can walk like like I we launched things recently, and you see you can see like uh, all these positive responses, like from the launch of the podcast, all these positive uh, tweets and emails and and comments on the blog posts and things like that. Right? That's yep. a metric. I mean, you're treating it like a metric in some ways, kind of. Yep. And. It's not that it's not a real great metric to go on because kind of like to your point on uh, finding your voice. How do you know when you're not you haven't found your voice? One of the points there was if you add if you put too much weight on the feedback from others or or on impressing others, yeah. right? Like this is a good example of of a metric that I put too much weight in. Like I remember like after the podcast week, like there you know when when like you know. Eight hours would go by uh, during that week, and you didn't see somebody saying something like, "Yeah, like, you're like, oh, we suck." Yeah, and, and I'm like that's not true. Yeah, we don't actually suck. And what makes this successful is not how many good jobs we get in that week, nor is it how many listens we get in that week, or how many fans we make. It, so, the, what I like about this question is, it is the question of how will you know when you've been successful in this? So here, so so let's let's talk about this a couple of ways. So first off. You know, why do we talk about metrics? Well, if what gets measured gets done, then you have to be careful about measuring the wrong things because you'll become obsessed with those and you'll focus on those in your business to the detriment of other things. Yeah, it's like walking into the gym uh, as a guy and you know all the all the guys are naked and you're just you're just comparing, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what you're getting it's exactly at. Exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, now when you talk about, you know, looking for kudos from people. Yeah. We do this every day. Even if you're not building a business, people do this every day just in email or Facebook or something. They get obsessed. Or Instagram or Or Instagram or whatever. They get addicted to the little positive. It's like a little bell ringing. Every time somebody leaves a comment on your thing Mm -hmm. or clicks the like button or whatever, it's this little bell. Ding, ding. And you just get this little, oh, this little good feeling. Like every (laughs) shot of dopamine. Yeah, this little shot of dopamine. And it does actually happen. And that's why you get addicted to those things. And it's really easy to get so addicted to those things that you don't do what really matters in your business. So, that, let's let's land this point. I think what what we're getting at, and this is good because I actually didn't have this thought coming into it. But I, it is it is to me, it is it is a big deal. The uh, when you think about what metrics you are going to track and make goals therein instead of elsewhere, what you're doing is you're defining how you're defining what success looks for, like for you in this thing. And um, I think early on, uh, it's easy to define success quote unquote by you know things like the number of followers on twitter or the number of friends in facebook or the number of page views or the number of or the time on site of a user or all this other stuff that may or may not matter very much depending on your business model um but regardless of what you what metrics you end up choosing they are make this is an opportunity for you to choose based on the kind of the kind of business you want to build yeah you know what i mean like you can have ten Twitter followers and a very success, you and plenty of money from a successful and thriving business to buy gluten free crackers for your kid, right? Yeah. Or you can have ten thousand or a hundred thousand Twitter followers and not enough money from any successful business coming in to buy your 
gluten-free crackers. There's, ton, there's tons of people that have you know tens right? of thousands of Twitter followers and nothing to show for it. And you have to realize that Twitter's job is to get you addicted to that little dopamine yep. push. Yeah. You know, and Facebook's job and every other social network out there, their job is to put these metrics in your face so that every time you log in, you see them and then you become addicted to, to measuring those things. Yeah. Like, for example, with Google Analytics, Google puts these things like time on site and whatever on your on, you know, your analytics screen. And it's really easy to assume that Google must know what's good for me. Yeah. Twitter must know what's good for me. Yeah. I better pay attention hey, to these, these things. Hey, these numbers are here. I bet they're good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I bet they matter. Oh, not, not that they're good. Yeah, they, I bet these are important. Yeah. I should know and or care about these. Yeah, and here's the other thing. Um, I've been to conferences where people literally come up and go, hey, I'm so-and-so. Um, I have 30,000 Twitter followers, like within two sentences. Oh, and the other thing that these these little metrics can do is not only give you a little dopamine push each time they go up or each time somebody clicks like, but... There's also this term called vanity metrics, uh-huh. which are things that make you look good, but don't actually have any bearing. Okay, on your so hold on. Business. Before we get into yeah. that, there, there's a hand, there, vanity metrics is a big part of this yeah. conversation, and, and a handful of others. What what I'm hearing you say, Corbett, is um, there are two ways. Of, there, there's a there's almost like a natural, a default mode that most of us come into metrics with, and that is, you know, we look at the big shiny numbers and we think. And we try to understand what they mean and and whether or not they they matter. And chances are we, we end up making a lot of errors early on about which of these numbers actually matter. Like Google Analytics is a great example of like, oh, but you can look at a bunch of, you can go look at a bunch of freaking numbers in Google Analytics. And then you're sitting there clicking around trying to understand, oh, that's an important number. Oh, I bet that one's too. You know, and yep. I'm trying to understand. You don't really know. And not, you're not really gaining a lot of intelligence about your business pot- potentially. Or you walk in and, and you see, wow, I've got a lot of page views. This is great. You know, and zero what sales, does that tell you? right? Yeah. But then you don't uh, do anything with it. Yeah. Like you yeah. might find out what pages are most successful, but then do you actually go and write more about that topic or yeah, link exactly. more from that post to all your other posts? So, so there's this default mode that I think a lot of it, that, that, that we, it's, it's just typical for us to land in. Um, and what we want to do is provide, is present an alternate view of this where you're a little bit more, uh, do you know what the word ascetic means? Aesthetic. So aesthetic uh, is um, not as- aesthetic and not acerbic. Not acerbic. Okay. Not acidic. Not acidic or a zerbert or a- aesthetic <laughs> a or sherbert. Okay. Okay. Aesthetic is um, uh, so think of a monk in the Middle or Dark Ages. Okay, there were these ascetic classes of monks who would actually put themselves into physical bodily sort of harm or pain in some kind of way. Like, so in Ireland, uh, you would, they would wade, you know, pre-dawn, wade out into the freezing cold waters naked and just like salute the sun with prayers and, and, and worship and fasting and things like this. It's a way of bodily harm or almost like pain, going through pain uh-huh. to achieve a kind of, uh, a state, uh, a heightened sense of awareness or of like, uh, of like sure. crushing the body and so that the soul might or spirit might arise or something from it. What we're going to do is tell you how to wade into that, <laughs> that that creek n- naked okay like like you're walking in the gym or something like yeah. that uh, but this this alternate reality we're in which you have to have a little bit of discipline 
Yeah. Because the big shiny followers button, the big shiny friends button on Twitter, the big shiny page views and, and all these other numbers are all looking like and you're getting the clout email saying, we were just talking about yeah. this, your clout has improved. And like, oh, good, I'm important now. People must care about me. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm no longer an orphan or whatever, right? Yeah. So there's going to be this. So I'm, what I hear you guys, what, everything I've learned from you guys has been there's this other mode where you, it takes, it requires some discipline. It requires that kind of, uh, that Tim Ferriss' sense of like, 80, 20, that doesn't matter. This does matter. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's, it's a, you know, that to me is the best part about all the life hacking stuff, about all this other stuff, is when we say, okay, what really actually matters most about this? So what yeah. I'm hoping is you guys will tell me, because I'm the dumbest guy in the room on this stuff, what is dumb of me to focus on or what I what is a poor metric to focus on and then the important part of being, okay, instead focus on these. Yeah. Well, I think a good segue here, Corbett, would be to say why we don't do monthly traffic reports on Think Traffic anymore. Because you did at some point. Yeah, we did for a long time. Until right? about five or six months ago, yeah. Yeah, so this is, um, you know, for us it's a little different at, at Think Traffic because obviously we're talking about traffic, so we wanted to share what our numbers were just as sort of a proof of yeah. you know the things that we were implementing. So it had a little bit of a different purpose, but at some point for our readers even for them to look at our traffic numbers and see that we had 150,000 visitors this month um you know versus whatever last month does that really help them in any way? Do the strategies that we're applying at this point and this maturity level of our business does that help our average visitor? So that's one thing. The other thing is that we found that eventually Caleb and I were kind of focused on the wrong metrics because those were the things that we were talking about so much. You know what I mean? So, Caleb, what was the conversation we had? It was about six months ago, right? When we stopped, um, mm-hmm. we stopped doing those re- traffic reports and we stopped uh, measuring those things. Yeah, basically the conversation was, are we actually using this information to make decisions in our business? Or is it just kind of something we've been doing for multiple years and... So it's just the expectation that we're going to keep publishing this stuff. And so, you know, you just wrote a post about it beginning of this year, you know, like what's next, what's after traffic. Cause we had plenty of traffic and, you know, we still had a business, but it wasn't because we were getting so many page views. Like our traffic wasn't directly tied to our income because it's not based on ads or. Yeah. And we like also that. noticed that, um, the amount of revenue that we were bringing in per visitor was declining because we were getting more and more traffic and mm. not really yeah. using the people that were already coming to our site effectively. We're always constantly out there looking at ways of getting new people into the audience and then not really, you know, giving as much benefit to those people that we already had as we yeah. could be. Yeah. Um, so we decided to stop measuring traffic so obsessively. Mm-hmm. It's not that we don't measure it entirely, but we decided to stop measuring it so obsessively. The other thing is, you know, we had these spreadsheets that Caleb went into and maintained every month that I had started originally, they had all kinds of stuff in there, like how many comments do we get on each post on average, how many you know new Twitter followers, how many retweets did we get on our posts, all that kind of stuff. And it's stuff that you know I think in my naive original days thought that it kind of mattered how many retweets I got mm-hmm. on a post or something. And so just because that's the way things had been, when Caleb came on, he inherited this job to yeah. do these things. And after a while, it became clear that, yeah, so he's spending, you know, whatever time every month doing this. Yeah. And then we even would sit down once in a while and have a meeting and talk about these numbers. 
And then nothing material would come out of it. It's like, oh, great, great. We had 80 retweets per post on this month and yeah. 79 last month. What does that tell us? Yeah, it doesn't totally. tell us anything. Totally. So, so here's, what I'd love, here's what I'd love to do then. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, first of all, put, a, put, a, put a, a bow tie on what you just said. As you, you, I mean, there's like sort of a trend in this. Like Pat uh, Flynn d- of SmartPassiveIncome.com does his uh, uh, revenue reports. You know yeah. what I mean? Every every month, and I, I've seen things like this elsewhere. And and obviously, we at Think Traffic did these you know traffic reports where things coming from, how to yeah. lead to sales, and yada yada yada. And we stopped doing it because, well, frankly, like there's more valuable things to teach than how much traffic we got this last month and, and all the reasons that you just got into. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah when I mean, you guys were both down here in San Diego, we sat in a hotel room and we wrote down all these things that actually matter for the bottom line and impact and us having fun and customer satisfaction and all those different yeah. metrics that actually do matter. Yeah. And those are the things we started tracking. So here's what I'd like tracking to do. The others. Um, did you have something to say, Corbin? Yeah, and, and it's not that we uh, weren't tracking some of those things before, but we just didn't put the right emphasis on them. So. Um, yeah. So I'd love to do, Caleb, you're going to be our, our little our stopwatch producer, okay? Okay. I'd love to do five to seven minutes in the vanity metrics and don't do this stuff thing, or don't, don't focus here sort of stuff. Try to keep that to a limited thing, and then spend a little bit more time on... Uh, on the actual, like, here's what we know we love yeah. to track, and you should. You, this is probably the the same for you. Well, guys and as then well. and then we also need to talk about how to track metrics and what do you do with that information. Yeah, it's not yeah. just about what to track; it's about what are you going to do with that information. Yep. Okay, so so uh, Mark Mark Watch Caleb Mark Watch. Okay, uh, let's, I'll cue the orchestra in about cue, seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay, <laughs> so let's um let's get into these vanity metrics like what like uh, that i'm on the fence about that term like is it a good is it a good thing or a bad thing mm-hmm. it's a bad thing right it's a bad thing it's a bad thing tell me about them why you don't, so you don't think vanity in general is a bad thing i don't know vanity fair is a pretty beautiful magazine that's true that's true so i just think of elegance and beauty and grace yeah so vanity metrics are things that make you feel good or look good yeah but don't actually have an impact on your overall business. So for example, Twitter followers is an easy one to pick on. Sure. Um, you know, there are people out there with tens of thousands of Twitter followers because they paid for them mm-hmm. and that might make them look good or feel good because they have those. But you know, when, when push comes to shove, they actually have no business. Yeah. They have no pull even when they tweet something, you know, it's not going to get noticed, retweeted, clicked on anything like that. Yeah. So if you're going to measure anything about Twitter, you know, personally, what I would prefer is that you measure the number of customers that you got from Twitter as a channel, and that can inform how much time you spend on Twitter, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Or qualitatively, you could say, you know, how much feedback did I get on this thing that I did from Twitter? Yeah. You know, and pay attention to the qualitative feedback, but not just to the overall number. It's pretty meaningless, like how you know how many Twitter followers you're. You and know. in that same vo- in that same vein, like I mean, but most most social media follower counts are the same same yeah. in the same. Veins, yeah, what is right? it going to tell you? It's, I mean, it, traffic is the same way, unfortunately. Yeah, and this is another thing that we, we when you say traffic, you mean general traffic to your website. Traffic to your website. This is another reason why we stopped um, doing the traffic reports because you could have two hundred thousand visitors that all come from StumbleUpon, for yeah. example. Yeah, and ninety-seven percent of those people bounce, meaning they see the page and then they take off without doing anything else on your site because of the nature of that traffic. So. 
the number, the aggregate number could be meaningless if you don't know how engaged those people are and what other actions those people took. Yeah. So Twitter is, you know, easily a hollow number unless you know how engaged those people are. And that's where you can figure out if they're engaged because they actually landed on your website. They purchased a product. They signed up for your email list. That sort of stuff. Yeah. So I hear you saying, uh, first of all, social a lot of social media metrics. You know, mo- most of which are like how many followers or friends or whatever circles you're in or whatever it is. Right? Are uh, sure. Yeah. You know, if you have if you have you know fifty thousand followers and they're all like, th- I mean, that's great. Good. Good on you. That's great. But but like you know, you someone out there has a hundred followers and and they have a wildly successful business, whereas you have a hundred thousand followers and. and no, making no money, or whatever. Right? Yeah, or or somebody has a hundred followers, and those followers are super engaged, yeah. and they hang on every word, yeah. and they do anything that that person says. There's a relationship and authenticity, and maybe those followers are important people yeah. instead of a bunch of spam bots. So I hear you saying the social media thing, and then you also mentioned traffic, in which case, and you and you specifically called out like stumble upon, stumble upon, which for anybody who doesn't know, stumble upon is one of these. It's kind of like a social site, but it's basically like it's just an index of sites, and you 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 have this browser toolbar, and you click like stumble. Or whatever, and it takes you to some next page, and then they have like you know a home page where you're like, here's the popular sites in in it's like business. Channel, it's like in, channel surfing websites, exactly, yeah. and, and it drives a ton of traffic. Yeah, and that traffic is really worthless, worthless, awful. Yeah. yeah, it's just the worst possible. So if like if if each visitor has a has a has a weight to them when they land on your site. Uh, meaning heavy, meaning like, wow, they're resonating with your content. They might just sign up on the email list. If not, they're probably going to read like four or five blog posts, click around, be really ex- interested in this thing, share it with a friend. That's a very heavy visitor. And a light visitor, like being like, they land there, they look at it for a second, and then they just and like, they, they the go back. back you know? Or they hit the stumble button, which is what yeah, which is going next. So uh, stumble upon traffic is extremely light. You know yeah. what I mean? It's water off a duck's back. Yeah. Whereas like you can... You can, you know, you, you write a, a an example on the opposite side of good traffic is, for instance, you write a guest post on someone someone else's site who has a bigger audience than you, but in a similar vein. You know, you write say like you're in uh, you're in the travel blogging space or something, right? And you write a post guest post on Chris Gilbo's site, right? You're gonna get a lot of traffic from that. Caleb, this happened to you, correct? Mm-hmm. Actually, on or when he when he quoted you. Uh, from uh, the WDS, WDS point, post that you wrote, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, he sent a lot of heavy traffic to you, you know what I mean, instead of light traffic. So that's a right. perfect example of significant and matter, matterful kind of traffic. Uh, and that's a, that would be a metric that would matter. That Then, okay, to your point kind of... of. Okay, kind of. So, what, give me your so, give me your caveat on this. Okay, so maybe that could matter, and it's it's better that that traffic is heavier or more relevant mm-hmm. or whatever. But the question is, then what? What do you do with yeah. that traffic? What do they stick around? Do they care? Do they become fans of yours? Do they buy your products? That sort of stuff. So you do just, you know him? Does do you, he call you at home? <laughs> so you, yeah. So you have to. Does anybody know that reference? Oh God! I hope. Do you know him? Does he call you at home? God, I'm not doing the voice very well, but some listener is going to land that. All right. It's going to be good, well, and I can't wait. Me and that listener are going to connect. So you have to, you know, we're giving some examples of things. But yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. important thing is the important thing is to think about what's really important in your business at the end of the day. And this we're going to get into measuring things that matter and we'll give you a bunch of examples of these. But what I want people to do is to be aware that just because there's a metric that you can measure that, you mm-hmm. know, goes up over time, 
that doesn't mean that it has any material impact on the things that you actually want your business to do. So be aware of everything, everything that you spend time paying attention to every day or every week, checking in on, pay attention to that and ask yourself the hard question of, and then what? Mm-hmm. So my Twitter followers went up. Now what? Like, how does this actually matter? And in, in a lot of cases, you're going to find out that these things don't really matter and that there are just a few, a small handful of metrics that actually yeah. do matter um, that will help you get closer to whatever your goals are for your sure. business. Yeah. So that wraps up vanity just okay. in time. Good, good. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you. That is good. Hey, great job, guys. Great job. High fives. You really nailed that. Um, okay, so let's get into the the metrics that we should be tracking. I'm interested, Corbett, from you and Caleb, you as well. What have been what have been your biggest lessons learned in the, on these metrics? Like, which le- which metrics have become some of the most important to you? Well, first of all, um, I think that these metrics can change over time. So we could tell you right now that you need to measure revenue and really pay attention to if you're actually making sales. But a lot of people listening to this don't have any revenue right now. So measuring the number zero month after month isn't yeah. going to help you a whole lot. And then you might say, well, since I don't have revenue, I'm going to measure Twitter followers because it's something that at least I can measure. Yeah. Um, be really careful about that because the thing that will get you close to revenue isn't how many Twitter followers you have. It's whether or not you have built a product that people can actually pay for mm-hmm. and if there is a group of people out there who are aware of you and your philosophies and what you stand for and that you're building a product. So yeah. there are two things before you have revenue that matter. And to me, those are how much audience, you know, trust and engagement am I building? And secondly, how close am I to releasing a product that those people can actually pay for mm-hmm. or to having something to put in front of them that can convert to dollars? Yeah. You know, so in, so in the beginning, your metrics might be different. You might need to be measuring how big and deep is my audience? And that's where maybe you are paying attention to traffic, but trying to dig into traffic in a more meaningful way and yeah. understand, you know, how much engagement those people actually have with you. And then secondly, um, how much work have I done on the product that I need to release next? Yeah. You know, and really measuring that. So instead of Twitter followers or revenue or whatever, every week you're saying, how much closer am I to completion on this product? Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. Caleb, did you have other stuff you wanted to add for like in the beginning stages? Yeah, I think it's really easy to get caught up with the traffic and subscribers early on mm-hmm. when that's pretty much the only thing you have to measure because you're not earning anything. You don't even have people commenting or doing social media on your site. So I think that the key is, like you were saying, progress beyond metrics once you get to different stages of building your business, building your website, whatever. And I think it comes down to you know, when you think, okay, should I have an audience first? Should I get it up to a thousand subscribers and then I'm going to release my product? What if none of those thousand want to buy something from you? You just wasted so much time like building up that audience. So, you know, dabble in audience growth and finding customers at the same time as you're growing, like in your first six to 12 months. Because if you just keep waiting and waiting to hit some magic number of, you know, Twitter followers or, email subscribers or visitors or something like that, then that's not how you should be judging when you should be releasing a product or trying to get people to buy things from you. Yeah, and it's easy to, um, you know, there's a big risk there that you're building this audience thinking that, oh, you know, I have 10,000 email subscribers, so I'm guaranteed success. Mm -hmm. There's a big risk there that either 
you're going to build the wrong product, something that they don't want, or that audience doesn't really care about buying anything from you because the problem that you're talking about isn't conducive to buying something, or frankly, you're just not going to be good enough at building products and selling them, and you need to go through that process a couple of times. And there's the limitations built into some of the technology. Like For example, if your metric that you're you're tracking is email subscribers, there's limitations built into that metric. Like For example, the fact that, like, hey, we might have 50,000 people on the Think Traffic email list, but 20% open the emails, 30% maybe open the emails, yep. which is, I'm not good at math, but so I can't really do that number. Yeah. But like, so that's but, another you know, case of vanity metrics, right? Yeah. It's really easy to, to have this big list maybe that you've been building for 10 years mm-hmm. and like 90% of the people on that list don't care about you anymore. In fact, they have you filtered to go to some folder mm-hmm. or spam or something. Because sometimes that's easier than just clicking subscribe, unsubscribe. Unsubscribe, exactly. But you did bring up a good point, Caleb. I, I think one of the, you said, you know, the first two that typically and you people end up focusing on is traffic and subscribers, email subscribers. For those of you not listening, one of the things that we do really believe is you have a website, you should put you should have an, a newsletter, you should have an email sign up. Because traffic to your site and writing great stuff and hoping that they just come back at ne- the next time isn't good enough. What you want is a relationship and engagement over time with these people. And the best tool that we basically have for that is – the most intense tool for that is email. Obviously, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, these are, these are good for that as well. Um, though email is really the, the, the golden standard of – of communication virtually between yeah. businesses or, or, we should do a, a or people. whole episode. Yeah. On that. But you mentioned specifically traffic and subscribers and you just combine those two numbers or you look at the relationship between those two numbers and you have what we might call like a, con- a conversion metric. If you have a hundred people signing up uh, or it's hundred people on your site every day and 10 of them sign up, then you're converting at that rate, right? Yep. So, um, and you can work harder to bring up that rate. And then you get, next thing you know, you have 10,000 people on your site. And because you were so, or, or on your email list, because you've worked so hard at converting all of them into subscribers by just whoring your language and your, and yeah. your value out, now you really can't sell them anything that you know how to make because you sold them on X, Y, and Z over here. Yeah. And you're really, all you really can make or sell to them or give to them is stuff over here. But this is the perennial question. This is what's so interesting about this being in this space. It's so much opportunity. You can go out and create, literally create an audience, right? Uh, and then you could say, well, I planned on building Y, but everybody signed up on the page that was, uh, that was you know, talking about X. So maybe I could figure, even though I'm no expert in X, I can figure out a way to connect them with things that they, that yep. they need that in, in the X vein or whatever, yep. right? So all of these metrics, though they may start out as vanity, they may start out as, as sort of light metrics instead of heavy metrics, they, they can lead to interesting business discovery and decisions that could take you who knows where, you know, in the next 10 months or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. And, and I think that the bottom line is that all of these things that we're talking about are really complicated. Yeah. And um, you have to add some color to it, like whatever you're thinking about. Yeah. You know, instead of just looking at these on the face value, like dig deeper. So my conversion rate is X. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And what did I do to increase that rate? And and to me, like like you just said, like all this, it does sound complicated. Like I I, I feel I feel bad for the 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 many me's out there who who are saying. Ugh, do I have to do this kind of stuff if I want to build something that I care about? Like all I, and and so for me, I, 
to them and to so many of you. I mean, let's 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 set the fo- the background for this is no, screw you. This isn't complicated. It's easy. Make something that people want. Find where those people are and put it in front of them to choose it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And charge something they're willing to pay for it. That's business. It's very simple. Yep. Solve some problem. Yep. Uh, and and then and then have a and then now we have all these tools. It's all this great stuff. We have all these metrics. We can add a lot of insight and intelligence to this. Right. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You could be the smartest analytic, most analytical guy, and you never had an insight in your life about how to solve this this blaring problem that some. Guy who doesn't know how to do math walks in and says, oh, why haven't you just given them this? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yep. It's very simple stuff, and I don't want you to overcomplicate it, and I don't want you to get bogged down in the details of this stuff. Totally. The most important thing is, I think the most important thing is, all these, there's so many metrics out there, they can be like siren songs, you know what I mean? Where you're like drawn in until you shipwreck on them, thinking like, hey, I have, I've, I've got 10% more followers last month, th- this month than last month, I must be, I'm, it's starting to happen, and then, yeah. you know, in, in two months, you like, you end up giving up on the whole thing, well, because that didn't increase like that, and that metric doesn't matter. It's not an important thing. Yep. What matters, I, okay, so for me, dumb guy, gonna finish my rant here in a second, but for me and all the other dumb guys, who just want, who, like, the secret is find the crew, find the audience that you care, that you're gonna serve. And pay attention, become the apprentice of them, and build them things that they want. Or connect them with things that are already built that they want and didn't know about. Yep. Or whatever, right? That is, that's, that's the heaviest metric of all. However, <laughs> give, however it a, give it to us. Yes, we agree. You should do that. However, how do you know if you've done that? How do you know if you've found an audience? And have created something that oh, that's a great that they're going to buy. See, so, now this is the interesting because now we're getting into like the the the. I mean, obviously, this that isn't a metric. Well, it, it kind of is. It is. No, it is. And and this is where when when people want to come up with their own metrics for their business, they need to ask themselves fundamental questions like, "What is my business? Who does it serve? And how do I convert that interest that they have into revenue?" Yeah. And, you know, your answers might be different. Maybe you have a services business Mm -hmm. or maybe you're going to have a website that just has advertising on it. Like your metrics are going to be different. So when we talk about, you know, products and services and revenue and that sort of stuff, like, you know, everyone needs to ask themselves that what is the reason that their business exists? Yeah. Now for us, so as we said before, I mean, you know, find an audience, create something that they're going to buy. Mm -hmm. Well, creating something that they're going to buy, that's pretty easy to measure. In most cases, people are not doing anything to actually create a product. They yeah. become bloggers or podcasters or whatever, and they just um, keep trying to build the audience bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, yeah. and they never get to the point where they're actually creating a product or somehow converting that interest into dollars. Yeah. So this is where, you know, as you're building your audience, you also need to be building the thing that's going to prove whether or not that audience gives a shit about what you have created for them. Yeah. And that's the product or the service or the advertising no, or whatever Because in some ways, you know, a lot of people think you've got to build this audience first and then you sell into that or you make something yep. for them. And to be honest, the hard work is in building the audience. That is, a, that is a labor of love and time. It doesn't happen quickly. You know what I mean? Sure, if you had a lot of money, 
I could tell you how to spend a bunch of money to launch on a big stage somewhere and, and, and get a lot of get a lot of publicity and press, do all this other stuff, right? But uh, most of us, and I don't really talk to those people. That's not, not who I'm interested in. Yeah, I'm interested in the, in, in the people out there who could who could do this themselves, but it's going to take some time. And to be honest, I, I'm glad it's going to take a little time because I'm not really ready for all that prime time, yada, yada, yada. But just know this. The audience building is, is labor. It's work. It takes work over time, long period of time. And it's not that it's necessarily hard or backbreaking work. It's just that it'll take longer than you thought it would. It'll be more work than you thought yeah. it was. It'll be easier and harder than you thought it was. And like you said, Corbett, I think the point is, is perfect. Like the question really, you can, you can have 100,000 people on your site and, and be converting at like an insane conversion rate and, you know, 90,000 people on your email list, you know, and, uh, and still not be able to even charge a dollar for a thing. Right, that serves the, that audience. Yeah, and and um, you know, there's this question like, what comes first, the audience or the product? And it's easy yeah. to start down just one path and ignore the other because you get, you know, addicted to that process of building the audience or building the product. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the best approach, and this is this is from the whole lean startup movement, mm-hmm. which is a great book for people to read. The best approach really is a combination of the two, and it's really about building the minimum viable version of each. So yeah. build a product, just build the basic thing that will prove to you whether or not people are going to pay for it. Yeah. And then in terms of the audience, just build the minimum audience, build a basic audience where you have people who are saying, yes, I love what you're saying. Yeah. Like Just get a handful of people who say, I love what you're saying, I need more of that, and then build the minimum product and put it in front of those people. Yeah. Because the, the biggest risk is that you're going to spend years and years building an audience or years and years building a product and then you're going to put the two together, and nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And there you go; you wasted that two years. And I got it. You know, the oh, perfect example of this was I was editing the interview with Sahil, the founder of Gumroad. Oh yeah, yeah. And how the thing he created, which eventually became Gumroad, was just a problem he had. He solved it, shared it with his Twitter followers. They're like, "Man, this is awesome!" So then he started a company and got funding. And, and he mm-hmm. and he spent what a, a weekend building a weekend a yeah. weekend building the prototype, and now that's a you know incredible product. And so I got to say, you know, I did a, um, I, there, I had a almost, almost had, I had, kind of had an opportunity to speak at this TEDx thing. And unfortunately, because, because my, uh, my unborn child will be entering into the world relatively soon, I had to uh, postpone that. Um, not even born yet and already ruining my plans. But, um, <laughs> but I did all of this. I, I, I looked at so many TED Talks. Right. Yep. So, so I watched so many. I studied them, studied so many. There's a handful of categories. That's me at the bar sometime. I'll tell you about them. But one of the categories is the, just the, the full on expert, like not charismatic, nerdy expert. Yeah. Academic. In, yeah. The academic sort of, su- the, the, the world's leading expert on, you know, ecological off teal colored flooring or something like that, or like jet, ro- recyclable jet rocket fuel in, <laughs> from Iceland or something like that, right? This guy's up on stage or this gal's up on stage looking at their feet, kind of mumbling through this thing, right? And that it's, yeah, it's sort of interesting stuff. But what gets me about these guys, why I think these guys win in some ways, is um, is they are so unbelievably sold out to this mission. The idea. To, to this idea. They're so in. Yeah. And they get over-enthusiastic and in and, and the most awkward and best ways, yeah. right? But... um that's my hope for it for for listeners is that you have you can find the thing that you can be that you can you're like up on st- we all want to be up on stage at a ted or doing a thing we, we want we want exposure we want people to love us we want people to buy our products and be you know grow this audience and do this thing this guy didn't 
He wanted to solve this, you know, recyclable Icelandic jet fuel problem or right. whatever, right? And he just gave everything to it. And, and, and it might have not have been like, this was my childhood dream. It might have been like, this is the only door that was open, and I went all the way in on yeah. it, right? That, to me, is like, that's the metric. If you can follow, if you can, the metric is find something you care about that much. Yeah. So you can be on a TED, so much that you'd be like mumbling and looking at your feet on a stage at TED. And um, that, because to me, that will solve a lot of your problems in a lot of ways. If you can land there, the, your intuition will carry you so far in that. In, if you can, if you can land in that in that stream within you somehow, yeah. Um, you're. I mean, we don't give it enough credit. I mean, intuition. I think we, this isn't what we'll get into here, obviously. But for at some point, I think intuition is is one of the biggest assets, if not the biggest asset, any entrepreneur has. Not that you have to be super you're gonna bright. To, you're gonna have to explain that one to me. And yeah, one day, on it. one but, day, I'll tell you. But, but but definitely caring about something so much that it's infectious. And like 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 we said in another episode, where like you know, hey, if you want to come into this like how to blog space, this masturbatory how to blog space with us, that's great. Just understand that we're not going anywhere, and we've like we've cut the safety rope. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right? We're so all in. Yeah. And that so when you look across the table and you say quote unquote competition in that space or whatever that are that are that kind of linebacker eyes craziness going yeah. on, that that's how I want you to be. About I, whatever you do. About whatever yeah. you know, like like just cut like the the dark night, you know, thing, cut the rope, get out of the to make the jump. Yeah. Uh because that's the goal. And, and and it should be said in this metrics conversation, because you know what? The real the real hard work of this is finding the thing that you actually care about. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is really the the in some ways, I think that's the hardest work of modern modern times for most of us. That's why there's so many freaking passion bloggers and all this stuff, right? We and that's why, you know, some people think that their their passion is helping people find their passion. You know? And some and I think that probably is some people's passion. Some. But it so anyways, I bring that in here. Obviously, it isn't a metric, but to me, it's like this is the heart of of all of this metric conversation. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And again, not talking about the Canadian band, uh, talking about th- things we should right. study and t- keep track of in our business. Okay, so let's switch gears here. We're going to come back to this conversation in a later episode and, and talk about a few other parts. But we want to get to some listener questions. Uh, Caleb, you got some listener questions for us? Yeah, so we have one here. Someone left a review on an iTunes review. Cool. Or a question, rather, on an iTunes review. So the question I, I love, is... I, just, I love it when people like like I, like pay attention and they're like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> you know, we've got a lot of questions from everywhere else, but not in the iTunes review. And we spent all week in the in the launch week saying... Yeah, leave your question in it's the iTunes review. It's just like an review. unholy alliance or something. So people are like, nah, that doesn't feel right. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it does feel yeah. right. You know, it's true. It's, it's true. Fun. Just so the listener knows, you can ask us questions in any number of ways. If you go to fizzleshow.com, you'll see a little green box that'll tell you how to ask a question for us. You can even record it using your computer uh, microphone and stuff. Uh, so, okay, let's hear this question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the importance of trademarking? For example, business name, logo, domain. This person didn't leave their name, but their URL is ldclarkbook.com. They say they're starting out on a shoestring budget, but they obviously don't want to skimp out on something that's really important. And they're borderline paranoid about someone stealing their idea. So they think maybe they should just spend the money now and get it over with. So I, I can't give like a completely blanket response because if this person has, you know, and, and, and um, they may be mixing metaphors here a little bit. 
like a trademark is something you do to a brand, not an idea, right? A, yeah. An idea is patented. Mm-hmm. So maybe, right. you know, they're mixing these ideas, these concepts. Um, so, you know, if they do have an idea that's completely novel and it could change the world, which I doubt mm-hmm. um, and has never been thought of before, yeah. if that's the case, then, you know, talk to a patent attorney. Maybe it's worth it, whatever. But, you know, in general, for 99% of people who come to us and say, how important is trademarking? I have a shoestring budget and I think my idea is really great. What we would say is your idea is probably not that great because I guarantee thousands of people have already had it. Your idea is worthless unless unless you actually execute on it. So yeah. if you're going to spend money on trademarking and then not actually follow through on it, that's wasted money. And three, if you have a shoestring budget, you could rat hole on trademarking, spending all this time and money on attorneys and completely get off track and never get anything done. Yeah. So in that case, in that standard case, on a scale of one to ten, it's a one out of ten to me to yeah. to do a trademark. That, that that seems pretty dramatic. I'll be honest, but but I think you're right. I heard an interview with the founder of Yammer, which is like you know one of the hottest startupy sort of. Th- anyways, just a lot of lot of buzz, and they got bought for something another one ridiculous billion, from Microsoft, something yeah, something. A billion. Um, and one of the and he, he this this founder I did never never heard of him or listened to him before, and he 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 sounded with David, it. David Sachs is that what his name was? I think so. I don't know. But he sounded with it, and he, one of the things that he talked about was like, "Listen, you can have all the ideas in the world. It's, it's the execution." It was, it was. I wish I remember the exact quote or sentiment, uh, but it was this idea of like, you, the hard part is in the building of it. If you build it and you build it better than someone else can, then you have a business. If you have an idea and you just spend all your money trying to protect that idea, I don't think you really have a business. You don't. You know what I mean? So that that's definitely some some stuff to think about. I would say. I wouldn't let it, I wouldn't not work on it. I would say this. I would say, do you need to go get that? I don't know. That's a decision, you know, for uh, probably you to decide. But should you be working on it in the meantime? Hell yes. You should absolutely, you should get this thing out into the world and do some stuff with it. And, you know, who knows? You might learn in six months, like, wow, I really don't want to be in this business, even if it could be wildly successful. And you might learn this isn't working or you might learn this is perfect. You know what I mean? And those those are three different outcomes, you know? And also just keep in mind any trademark, you know, or patent that you're going to apply for is going to take months, maybe years to secure. Yeah. So what are you going to be doing in the meantime? I hope that you're working on the idea, not waiting around for a patent to come in, which is going to have no benefit to you, except if someone tries to steal that idea. And then if you have enough money to sue that person, like that's the other thing. What good is a trademark if you don't have you know, the ability to actually sue that person. Yeah. Yeah. And all these, all these are reasons to, to no matter what, keep working, maybe do more research if you want to on the thing. Obviously, uh, no, disclosure here, like you're not allowed to take our advice and, 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 uh, I don't know, should we have some sort of legal disclaimer or something here? But the point is we want to give you honest to God, you know, feedback on this stuff. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's what we would do. I would say, Caleb, anything to add on that? Well, some advice that Corbett gave me one time, or we were talking about, I think even for Fizzle, it was like, well, do we need to trademark this and everything? It's like, no, let's just buy buy the domain, start creating it, and then who's going to swipe in and say, this is mine, if we already had, you know, pre-created yeah. this from a specific date? And yeah, like, that's kind of how they're issued, too, is... Yeah, absolutely. And also there's yeah, there are just there are domain laws as well. If someone creates a domain that is meant just to um confuse someone to think that you're they're actually your business, 
then you can, you know, have a legal standing there as yeah. well. So, yeah. you know, yeah, the same advice always applies. We're just three idiots with microphones. <laughs> Talk <laughs> to a lawyer. Who happen to have built, built successful businesses. <laughs> yeah. Talk right. to a lawyer if you really care strongly about this. Yeah. So uh, that's good. Hopefully that answers uh, answered that question. Let us let us know. You know, send us an email at where are we doing emails here at at support at fizzle.co? Yeah, that works. Yep. Yeah, shoot us an email and let let us know what you think. Uh, Caleb, do we have more questions? Yes, we have another question from Chris Jacob. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Who have been some of the biggest influences on how you think about business? Good question. Good question, Chris. Um, biggest influencers for how I how we think about business. Yeah. What do you think? Anybody who's who's first? Caleb, you have an Caleb. idea? I would go ahead and say 37 signals if I had to choose one. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's try to do the, the hard work of picking one or two. I'm looking at you. I'm trying to figure it out. You're looking at me? Oh, you're trying to figure out who I'm going to say? Um, if I have to do one or two. So 37 signals would be on the list for me really? um, because mm-hmm. I read their book, um, Getting Real, and that really really threw a whole wrench in the works for me in terms of the way I thought about bu- building businesses. It was, you know, that was kind of a precursor to the whole lean startup movement. For me, it was about, you know, there's so many things that you think you need to be doing for building a business that are just a waste of time, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's a great book, by the way, uh, Getting Real by 37 Signals. You can get it for free as a download. Um, they have another book called Rework, which is really good. Um, if I had to name another one, most recently that's been a big impact um, is Eric Reese uh, with the Lean Startup yeah. and that whole movement of the Lean Startup. There are a mm-hmm. lot of people who talk about those concepts. For me, you know, it's hard. I, I, I think I would have to put Seth Godin, if not at the top, like just right, right up there. Just because, you know, I don't spend a lot of time actually think. I do spend a lot of time thinking about business, but really I think about a specific... It, I, 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 I just think about mostly the marketing and story and and. And the kind of core of the business, the heart of the business, like whether or not this is, I don't know. I list, I think, I think about those stuff, and and Seth's sort of my guy in that space. But then there's, you know, I mean, I remember the first time reading e- the E Myth, like that was yeah. that was an incredible uh, book. I think, though, gosh, I don't know. I I wish I had a better answer though. Like I wanted to like have a like a, a freaking French artist or something like that. Oh yes, Renoir is definitely the guy <laughs> for me. He gave me all my marketing advice, and from him I learned the power of darkness and light. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so do you want a lightning round? Just like a few of the yeah. other people that yeah, have been influences. Let's go light, um, lightning round, Caleb. Chris Gillibo, Jonathan Fields, um, and lately Neil Patel over at Quick Sprout. Yeah, I've been loving everything that he's writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to say, actually, Derek Derek Halpern. I mean, he's a friend, and I've only gotten to know him. I didn't know his work before I got to know him. You know, but like, and I sort of, I'm sort of tongue in cheek with everything he puts out. But to be honest, it always sticks. Yep. And I know I can see his silly little grin right now if he's, if he's listening <laughs> to this. His silly little freaking grin. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I listen to that. That I, his stuff ends up sticking half the time. The yeah. other half, I'm just like, what are you wearing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Another person that I read um, that I really liked, actually two more that I really liked recently, uh, you know, biographies or whatever, books by business people. One is Richard Branson. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just such a cool personality, yeah. such a laid back dude. He just seems to really have so much fun with everything he does. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, we can talk about metrics or whatever. Really what matters is, 
do we enjoy what we're doing and are we proud yeah. of it and do we feel like we're contributing something meaningful to the world and um, I think he wins on on all those fronts. He has so much fun with everything. Another so one. So, which book? Screw it, let's do it, or the like a virgin uh, or losing my virginity. Screw business as usual uh, was one that I read recently. I've read like three. I've never of them. read any of his stuff. He's good. He's really his his writing is really simple, actually. Oh. Um, but uh, anyway, and then it's kind of like folk, yeah, short yeah, yeah. folksy yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, another one that was really good just for the story is Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, who yeah, runs I did Zappos. Read that one, yeah. Man, that was an intense story in terms yeah. of like how he was up against the ropes for like seven years, yeah. pouring every dime he had into it. And just the way he looks at empowering people in their organization and making sure that that you know he that his customers and his employees are both really happy. See, I really resonated. The, the only thing that sticks out to me about that book was the golden handcuffs at, uh, what was it, at Amazon? The first company that I, that bought his first company? It was at somewhere. He was sitting there vesting, and he could have you know he could have hung around for five years and had a billion dollars. It wasn't Amazon. That was who bought Zappos. That was who yeah, bought that Zappos. Was the, it was the first one. Or what, I, I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. But I remember that and just being like, dude, what like I always resonate with that emotional journey of the entrepreneur. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just like sitting there and just knowing, like, God, I'm drying up in here. You know, but all this money's coming in if I could just stick it out. And he didn't stick it out. It was to Microsoft, I think. I, I, yeah, and I so I, I just thought that was that was such a nar- that was like I might as well have been reading an action novel about you know what I mean, escaping from a prison or something. Yeah, but uh, I do no no I wouldn't be uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say you know there, it's not a fizzle show podcast unless I mention uh, either. Stephen Pressfield, yeah, um, who you know, yeah, just Stephen Pressfield and Merlin Mann. So uh, surprisingly, has influenced a lot of how I look at business because both of those guys are how I look at my daily life and my habit in some ways. Um, but a lot of it, a lot of that has to do with like coming back to this simple story of like just hey, listen, what do you care about? That's the real work. Finding what you care about, and then find a way to find a way to buy the gluten free crackers doing that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's the hard stuff. So, okay, so I think we've kind of we've hammered this that one out. This is good. You know, what would be fun is um, just an episode where we get people on to tell stories about the most influential person on their business. And I love it. You know, because people love this. Thanks for the question, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. So we should probably wrap it up here. Uh, we're about fifty-eight minutes in. So I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Lee Barr. Ooh. And I've been Caleb Lawrence Wojcik. Oh, it's everyone. Every, everyone's middle name day. Oh, I had no idea. This is exciting, people. It was a surprise. God, it I was feel... a surprise for you, Caleb and I. We talked about it beforehand. I feel like the luckiest little girl on the <laughs> earth. I am the luckiest little girl on the earth. <laughs> we love having this conversation, and I hope... You like this as well. Lots of notes. Lots and lots. I got to say this. Hold on. Stop. There are lots of notes on this over at the fizzle uh, or just fizzleshow.com slash 11. That's one, one. Fizzleshow, F-I-Z-Z-L-E, show.com slash 11. Really, you should go. You should check them out. Um, I'm, I'm always trying to throw little Easter eggs in there. Little fun little numbers. You know, maybe some of you have found them. If you did, maybe let us know. Uh, oh, and hey, if you haven't checked out the post that we launched on Tuesday at Think Traffic, you definitely want to see it. It's it's uh, sort of a biggest biggest deal for, from me, something I'm, I'm quite proud of, had a lot of conviction about. So um, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Just go to fizzleshow.com slash 11 for 11, and you'll, you'll find it there. 
Uh, and maybe add a comment. Let us know what you think of this show, of the show in general. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. You'll find all the links there. We'd really like you people. Uh, you know, if you did, if you did like this show, please do consider leaving us a review. No, don't don't consider doing it. Just just help us out and go go leave us a, a review. Give us a rating in iTunes. Uh, it doesn't cost you much. It really does. It hel- It means a lot to us because it does help that hopeful entrepreneur um, find this show. I mean, do you do you remember? I do. I do. I remember what it's like to be. Just alone and just trying stuff, whatever came to mind, and not really have any of the direction. I think you guys are, are getting a lot out of this, and I, and I want other people to find it as well. Um, so if you could, leave us a review. You don't have to, though. You know, it's your life. Hey, quit reacting to whatever numbers some social network throws at you. And quit building without a thought for what your goals are or where you're headed. And don't let your freaking clout score keep you from building actual, real, human relationships, okay? May, uh, may your main metric make minced meat of malaise, misdirection, and meager merchandising. Mainly manhandling all manner of primitive, mistaken, and mostly meaningless impressions in favor of those which must be and forevermore remain matterful. I'm about to drop the mic. That's my Jay-Z moment. (laughs) Thanks. Hope you enjoyed the show. See you next week on Thursday when we are talking about... Ooh, it's a good one. Me versus the audience is in my notes, but it's, it's got a better title than that somewhere.